Hello and welcome to Art for Thought, a podcast about art, artists and social change. Today, my friend Melina Bukuvala is joining me from Greece and we will talk about her experience as a starting artist in the film and theatre industry, but also her point of view on when something is art, asking questions, Greece and directing a play remotely pre-COVID times. I hope you like it. Enjoy. Hi, Melina. Welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm glad you're here. And to anyone who's listening, welcome for the first time or welcome back. Um, I'd like to start off um, with you, Melina. Maybe um, would you like to tell something about yourself? So um, I'm Melina. I'm uh, really new to this Build. I'm trying to get my way into professional um, theatre mostly, but now I'm doing some small steps uh, in filming as well, just to find my own voice in that field as well. Um, I have done uh, uh, a theatre production um, last year that it went to a festival in Greece and uh, I was also working as an assistant director in a theatre in Greece because I'm Greek, I should say that as well and <laughs> and uh, this year I'm preparing uh, my very first short film um, uh, yeah, that's about it Exciting! Um, you know, yeah, coronavirus so... and stuff Yeah I know. It makes life difficult. <laughs> I think opportunities are hard to find these days, yeah. <laughs> mm. So we make them ourselves. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So yeah, so you said you have been like interested in theatre and you've told me before that it's kind of like from primary school through secondary school until now. Uh, but I also noticed that you have quite a lot of friends who are into photography and film and dance and theatre, so... I guess, I suppose you grew up, grew up in quite a creative environment as well, right? Um, actually, that's funny. I had this the, the, the conversation about how I started this whole thing, like, just days ago, because I saw my professor, professor, oh, Jesus, Greek, and <laughs> from junior high school, uh, who, who basically was the one that... So I had, I had done, like, a, a mini theatre thing uh, in primary school, the very last year of primary school but then I was like I never worked with it again I knew that I liked writing but I didn't do anything about it and then I went to pri- to junior high school and I wrote like um an essay but like not uh, not like a street essay like a you know more I don't know imaginary kind of thing I don't know essay for my uh Greek lesson and my professor uh, read it. She found out that I had done a, th- a theatrical play in primary school, and she basically encouraged me to go through with it and start writing again. And that's when, like, I got hold of it and I was like, okay, this is something that I want to do. Which is pretty strange for Greek schools. Like, you need to be lucky enough to uh, have professors that actually pay attention to those kind of things and okay. they, they encourage you to follow um, these aspects of your life because it's more it's mostly uh, study, going to the university, become, you know, a 
proper do a proper profession yeah. that's the kind of thing that we have here so I was pretty lucky to have those professors around me and yeah I, I'm actually pretty lucky to have many friends that are also in their way um artistic like I have friends that dance I have friends that love editing videos I have friends that I love, love photography they love acting they love music um, so I was pretty liking the environment I came in with because I, I was able to do stuff with my friends to find my own self as well in this kind of field and find mm-hmm. out what I like what I don't like so yeah in that kind of way yeah and like like develop yourself and I think that's quite cool like if you have friends who are also in in like the creative industries or at least like practicing things like that you know you can you can like learn from each other but inspire each other and it, it you know it motivates you I feel like to to keep going even yeah and I should say I should say that I was pretty lucky all the way up because I was even for primary school or junior high school or high school but even in my studies abroad I was pretty lucky to meet someone that is into the artist because I, I'm studying I should say that I, I've studied biomedical sciences in England so I had no way basically of met, meeting someone that is in theater or, or film industry or whatever, but I was lucky enough to meet you. I should say that. So <laughs> that's that as well. So <laughs> I, I was, I, I, I should say that I was lucky through all the way of my life, you know, having people that are artistic and helpful as well, because that, that's important as well. People that are willing to help you yeah yeah definitely definitely um so what what do you think like which part of the environment that you were in like your creative friends um school teachers what kind of thing has shaped your creative creativity or like your creative style the most up up till now like if you look back at it do you feel like oh um working with these friends made me go this way or this teacher said something so I went that way I don't know what do you have something that in like helped you grow in that way or shape you I mean I think I have to clear out three three major moments like the very first one being that uh, play in primary school where everybody was just lazy and ashamed of writing their own short short uh, sheen thing so I, once I did mine, they were like, oh, do ours as well, do ours as well, do ours as well. So they kind of like in, accidentally pushed me in the way of writing the whole thing myself, which I didn't know I, I wanted to do in the first place. I just wanted to make mine the best. Yeah. <laughs> because the whole, <laughs> the whole thing was uh, every pair of students had to write their own little uh, play that would become a, a huge play because it was basically people that were getting robbed in the subway. So they were like seven little stories, but I ended up wrote, r- writing all of them except from one. So yeah, that was like je- definitely my lazy friends back in primary school. <laughs> <laughs> thank you <laughs> thank for your you, laziness. Thank you, guys. Uh, thank you guys for your laziness. Exactly. Like I was like, because I, I, I was like uh, in, I think I was like seven years old when I started like uh, wanting to write my own book and stuff like that, but it never happened. Like it wasn't. So scenario, scenario wise, like screenplay wise, 
um, I found out about that thing, like the thing that you write a dialogue and you see it happen in front of your eyes. I learned about it that way in primary school. So that was a major moment for me. And then, of course, the teacher that I mentioned before, my professor, that she encouraged me to go for it in junior high school as well. And um, this, uh, uh, as well as the teacher in high school, that she knew what I was doing in junior high school because it's the same school, basically. Yeah. And she knew what I was doing in junior high school. And she encouraged me to... I actually went up to her, but she encouraged me all the way to go with it. Uh, although it was all, uh, mostly the students that formed the drama club, so we were working on our own. And I I did like a, a, hun- a 180 degrees turn that way because I, I was from comedies up to junior high school. I started writing things that made people cry. And <laughs> so uh, that was a turn. The teenage dark years. And of course, <laughs> exactly. I think te- adolescence hit me hard that way. And um, these years mostly because once we grew this, uh, we grew this club, this drama club for the school, because in Greece it's not a thing. Mm-hmm. So if you want to make a drama club in your school, you make it on your own. So once we formed this, this um, drama club, it was, a, it was a huge step for me as well, because um, working with my peers and having to deal with you know, forming something, and because, okay, let's face it, I have to say it, sorry to anyone that's listening from those past years, Uh, I was so serious about a dumb uh, school play that I made everybody, you know, curse at me sometimes, but it's fine, so, (laughs) but but, uh, by really, I've really learned the process of cooperating and make it happen, so I have to, to mention that as well, as to, like, you know, the three major, yeah, points that made the difference yeah and then uh you went off to university um and you started writing your play for the festival of 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 athens theater festival um what inspired you to write that play so again it was uh, it was a huge motivation that I had two friends that were were willing to uh, go for it, whatever I had in mind. If they liked the scenario, they would go for it. And uh, we were talking and we we were discussing that we wanted to do something uh, this year and like 20, 2018, 2019 year. And uh, even though I was in England, they were willing for me to direct the whole thing through digital. I was I was ahead of coronavirus. I was so ahead. I was I was directing from from far away. Um, <laughs> so me and and Hrisa, one of the girls that were in the play, we were in another festival the previous year and we watched two girls doing a um a mute uh kind of uh, display uh, in a theater kind of thing it was it was pretty magical it was like a a little fairy tale happening in front of your eyes so I had this stuck in my mind two women and it was like was it with dance or movement like movement theater yeah like kind of um how's it called charade does that make sense but that's the game 
Yeah, but you know what I mean, like as in English. Yeah, it's like mime, mime right? Mime, is that yeah? There you go. Yeah, foreigner. <laughs> so yeah, it was it was basically telling a story through yeah movement and there were two witches basically and they were traveling together and there was a feather and they were it was pretty magical it was it was great how they synchronized the whole thing so i had this in mind like two women uh um in a fairy tale kind of world which i liked and at the same time um i had this idea about how uh social um interacting and how uh, uh, the world itself presses you to do things a certain way to to fight to to become successful but at the same time getting nothing back so I, I wanted kind of to combine those two things mm -hmm. so I ended up with this allegory kind of thing is that a word yes in it is I don't know metaphor we said the no yeah, but yeah, allegory yeah. is metaphor. also I realized so, that it's a word I, allegory oh <laughs> There you go. So, yeah, I ended up with this allegory where we have two girls completely different from each other. One is like, you know, this elegant little Barbie-like girl, which probably is more uh, wealthy as well than the, than the other girl. And then we have this girl that is more like uh, uh, carefree, not carefree, that's wrong. Um you know, not the Barbie doll kind of way. Like she, she, she knows a different life, a more hard life. Uh, she's, she doesn't more playful, maybe a bit more rough. Yeah, like she's always running. Like that's what we said. And they they play a game, but at the same time, this thing depicts the society itself. Mm -hmm. So it was, it was, it was, at the same time, uh, fairy tale like, and at the same time, it was a, a complete depiction of. It was aiming to be, at least, <laughs> <laughs> to be a complete depiction of the society itself. So yeah, and that's, I saw that I, I I showed that to the girls because we were we said that we wanted to do something. So once I came up with this idea, this scenario, I showed it to them. They were pretty happy to do it, and we started working immediately. And we um, applied for the festival. They were happy to work with us, and it was like those two days that we. We played the uh, um, the play. We played the play. We, you know, we showed the, the the play to the people. It was like one of two of the best nights in my life up until now, really. Well, that must be amazing. Like when you work so hard on something and then see it on stage and on a festival, which is which is really cool. It was just, it was just, I don't know, overwhelming to do something for the festival. So what was your, like, what, how did people respond to it? Like, um, it was the feedback that we got was pretty amazing, uh, negative and positive wise. So everybody had a thing that it was too short. It was only 25 minutes. Uh, that should be on me because I, I, we were aiming for another festival. that was like a 35 um, limit on uh, duration so I made it short in the first place but then I didn't want it to make it longer afterwards because I felt safe for the first time doing something professional do something smaller so I can make sure that by the end of it I would be like okay that's what I that's mm. the best I could do that's what I, I wanted to see that's the best I could do up until now yeah 
So everybody had a problem with that because they couldn't engage with the characters as much as they wanted because once they were, oh yeah, it's happening. Like I'm, I'm in there, I'm feeling it. It was over. So that was the major problem for everyone. Okay. But apart from that, uh, because it was 25 minutes, we said to everyone, because there was a there was a lounge area outside, so we said to everyone, we would like for you to come outside and class to play now with us and you know get our, get your feedback. We actually asked for feedback. Mm-hmm. So the amazing thing that happened, which was the most rewarding thing, was that we went outside, and everybody everybody was discussing what happened like inside, and. They were. They had all those amazing ideas. Like I was, I was, you know, because there were a lot of friends and family. So I was uh, going from table to table to, you know, say hi and discuss the play. And everybody had a different version in their mind, which was the the best thing for an allegory kind of play because you 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 pose the question, you pose the the form, you pose the the story, and then everybody gets it in a d- different way. So that mm-hmm. for me meant that for me meant that it was successful. Like we were amazed by how many people um, um, suggested different things. It was, it was perfect. It was really nice. I think that's like a really beautiful thing of artists to, to make things, people think about something, like think about life, think about society. Um, what do you have like, a, so you, you told about the inspiration of this play, but is there... Has there been a play that you remember that has inspired you um, in a way that it maybe changed your mind about something or inspired you to think about life, society, things? Well, let me think about this. From from a really young age, because of my mom, I have been to too many plays. Like I maybe that's what drew me into the into it in the first place. I my, with my mom like we would go to ten different um, theatrical plays every year. Like it was a, it was our thing to do together. Yeah. So um, there are there are a lot of options uh, to choose from right now. Um, I should say I I should say though that. It happens that as 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 I grow up, probably because when I was a little ch- child, she wouldn't get me like to the most, you know, uh, difficult and you know. But yeah. She, she used to she used to really search into what we we're gonna see. So it wasn't like she was making it easy for me. Mm-hmm. But I'm not. I'm. It wasn't like that. We saw like all those hard and you know like. Uh, difficult to understand plays from an early age yeah but as I as I grew up she tended to to pick even more difficult ones and even more difficult ones but what really surprises me is that the thing that I tend to do the thing that I, that at the same time we see something that could actually happen combined with something that is more um of a metaphor or um for example, like, um, I saw a beautiful play uh, about a boy with autism uh, last year, and uh, it was called Who Killed the Dog at uh, Midnight? Oh, I yeah, I've read the book. Yeah. Yeah. 
that's, that's a great that's a great go. story so um it was amazing how with really the simplest like it was it was uh directed with only having some cubes as uh the background and the how they would use to make the whole story and it was amazing how with such a simple question the whole aspect of autism in my mind was explained so for example that amazed mm. me that really amazed me how with, with such a simple question which you could think that it could be a story about anything basically anything they managed to um and uh, the play itself with so little um help from the background and for the so it was it, it was a really simple play but at the same time it was amazing how it was directed how it was given to the audience that one like for example stayed in my mind because it was something that really felt like it was something that i i, I would love to do myself to to make a play like that yeah it was so simple but at the same time so complex okay so what 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 attracts you the most about it then I feel like that's the thing, like the, the thing that it was a question, who kills the dog at midnight? I don't know if it's that's a mm-hmm. translation. It's, it's a very long title, which is also quite complicated as far as oh, I, okay, I never cool. remember it. <laughs> <laughs> so um, the play itself doesn't prepare you for what you're going to see. Even if you walk into into the into the, the theater and you have read the preview and you go inside and you see the the stage, it doesn't prepare you for what you're going to see, how, how many questions it's going to pose to you. And you, yeah. see the, you sit there and you, you watch it. And as it goes on and on and on, you ask yourself all those questions. And you're like, oh my, I didn't expect that. So I feel like this effortless way of judging yourself, questioning yourself, uh, improving yourself through, through watching something. That's the, that's the thing that amazes me most about anything like film, theater. Yeah. But I felt like in this play specifically, it was so, so effortless. So like it was covered up in such a way that it was, uh, I don't know, it was mind blowing. Yeah, I, I, I really think that's the very, like the, the most interesting thing of like film and art and theater like the the questions you can ask yourself and the questions you like ask your your audience and yeah I I think that's like I don't know I think that's my favorite thing about art even sometimes just looking at a painting and I I really like abstract or modern art even though like half of the time I have no clue what I'm looking at (laughs) and I mean sometimes I agree with people and you're like why am I looking at a white chair? Why is this white chair art if this white chair could also just stand in my living room? You know, what? why? I mean, yeah, yeah, but yeah. sometimes I do still like the challenge of asking that question, Finding why? <laughs> exactly. And I feel like once it happens that you have the same explanation as somebody else, you're like, oh my God, like I got, I got the meaning now. Yeah, exactly. But you need that approval. Yeah. Like, in, inside you, inside your little heart, you're actually asking for that approval that somebody else had the same idea, so it might be correct. Yeah, so, yeah. And even the best, the best ones are the abstract ones because there are so many explanations that you just burn your mind to find out the right answer to the mm-hmm. question, and you're like, 
oh, it should be the sea or it might be the ocean or that the thing that eats us from inside. And you're like, you're trying to find all those, uh, all those um, different answers just to fulfill the, the need to explain this thing that you have in front of you. And exactly. And I had, I, I, I had a, a conversation like, um, uh, years ago, actually about like what makes a, a piece of art, a piece of art mm-hmm. and whether somebody can be named an artist if he doesn't put an effort in what he does. So it was a huge conversation, like because the other person was saying you can go on endless about it. And like the other the other person that I was talking about, uh, I was talking with, she she was saying that you need to put too much effort in something to actually make make it a piece of art. And I was like, and we ended up she ended up agreeing with me. I'm not saying that this is the correct point of view. I'm just saying like we we mm-hmm. we concluded in that thing where we said. If you just want to amaze someone and just, you know, be unique and try to pose like the the huge difference in the, I don't know, universe, you can just take a pencil, put it in an empty room and be like, that's art. And you guys can find out what it is because it's amazing and I'm the best one. And, you know, I mean, there are people that are just doing this thing just to make uh, to make it more unique about themselves and how, wow, how amazing am I? I put a pencil in a room. So that person is not an artist because he doesn't do it uh, to actually pose a question. He just do does mm-hmm. it because he wants to show something about himself that he's he's thinking out of the box or whatever so that person is not an artist because of his intention Mm -hmm. so in my point of view he's not an artist because of his intention not because he didn't put an effort in his piece of art because that can be a piece of art like a pencil in the room because he thought of it but the thing Mm. but what if this pencil what if this pencil in the room is self-expression it isn't part of, of like art also, like the self-expression of the That's artist. That's the thing, though. He doesn't do it because of self-expression. He just does it because he wants to do something different. So he just throws something new in a room just to make mm. it different. But the, the pencil in the room, even though he is not an artist because he didn't intend to be an artist, he didn't intend to pose a question, that, pe- that pencil in a room, even if one person sees it in a museum or whatever, and poses a question to himself, like, for example, why is this art? Why a pencil in a what, what can he say to me that if there's a pencil in the middle of a room? Then that, that thing that he yeah. made is a piece of art because even one person asks himself what's happening here, but he's not an artist. Mm-hmm. So that's what we conclude. So actually, we are all artists. Yeah. Everyone way, can yeah, be yeah, an yeah, artist. Yeah. yeah. I like the idea. Everyone can be an artist if you go to um, a museum or a play um, and you ask yourself that question. Um, and then, I don't, I don't know where I'm going with this. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking, like, you're also, if you, you're the artist, but then you're also the effect. It's kind of like, this is getting very... Confusing. <laughs> confusing and and up in the air but i was gonna say like if you know if you're saying okay the person who asked the question is the artist um but then kind of the question reflecting back on you is like the, the piece of art is like the mirror 
Yeah, like, but basically the piece. Okay, you you know what I mean. Like if this if this pencil, if you ask the question like why is this art, and you ask that to the pencil, let's say <laughs> the pencil is the thing. You ask the question to the pencil, and the pencil reflects the question, like reflects something back that gives you an answer. You're like, oh, from now from now on, I'm gonna look completely different at all the pencils in my house. Then the art has, yeah. you know, the art has changed basically, you. It has made a so change. Basically, so, the piece of art itself is the artist because you don't really know what the intention of the artist mm-hmm. might be. So that's why it has so many explanations and it has so much feedback. And what you said, like basically a mirror where you ask a question, it gives you bad feedback. You ask a question again, it gives you the feedback because you look at it more closely, you find different ways. So I feel like the piece of art itself is what it actually can be named an artist. Uh, de facto I don't know if, it, if it's a, if a thing that you use in English uh, but yeah from, from a fact is that the piece of art itself is an artist uh, apart from that mm. you don't know so is that would that would that also kind of conclude what art means to you I f- yeah or is that yeah. do you have like your personal I tend to be really um, close-minded to things that I believe are right or wrong sometimes in my daily life so I'm because I you're very stubborn yeah so because I know that's that's a thing that is not good about me I I tend if I write when I write something I tend to be the least stubborn person (laughs) so so I even that's something that many people say about when when they they read something that I wrote they know that I make my own little world where some questions remain unanswered because the thing is i want to pose the question so for example like something happens in the world and you personally feel weird about it not not certainly wrong about it you don't certainly feel that it's wrong but you certainly feel like that's that's something that needs to be discussed yeah so you come up and you say like that it's not only about you of course because once you make a piece of art it's something that you want to share with the world so you're like i feel like that's something that we need to discuss about so i need to make something that will point at it and be like oh you guys need to pay attention to this thing but i feel like the magic moment is where you understand that because it's something new something um uh, that you're not, you're not really sure about yourself, uh, about it yourself, but you just something is something that intrigued you to ask about it. That's the magic moment that you need to understand that you don't know the right answer. So you can ask about it through your music, through your film, through your theatrical play. You can ask about it, but then I feel like it's your duty to feel to to let the audience uh, make up their mind as like challenge themselves and be like understanding themselves the right answer not that i'm saying that um i feel like people everything should be neutral not in that way so i feel like an artist once they're posing a question they always have like a body of opinions and the body of um uh, answers themselves but there's a slight point where they need to let the audience be like oh you know what? Understand the conclusions themselves. Yeah. Uh, I th- I feel that that that's the delicacy of of it all. Like posing the challenge, posing the question, and trust the audience enough to 
and and don't trust yourself enough to be to to believe that you know it all like that you have the answer to everything so you're basically you're stating this is happening but the question if it's good or bad that's that's for the audience to figure out really for themselves is that exactly and if so, yeah. yeah, basically pose the challenge, pose the, not actually the question, pose the challenge that something needs to be changed, something feels weird, something feels uh, not okay. So once you pose the, the question there, they, they need to find the answer to it, the, the solution to the, to the problem, the solution to the, yeah. So talking about asking questions and creating things, um, you're also making a film. Can you tell me something about that? Uh, yeah, yeah, like it's the same, basically it's the same um, kind of uh, motivation behind it. So um, because of coronavirus and stuff, um, there were some countries that were uh, putting curfew after like a certain time of the day. Just before we carry on uh, listening to Melina, I just quickly want to say that this podcast episode has been pre-recorded some months ago. Back then there was no curfew in Greece, but... As you might know, the situation has changed now. So just keep that in mind while you're listening to her answer. Cyprus, for example, was the first one to do it after nine o'clock, or from what I know of at least. And this really intrigued me in a way where, um, for, for example, in Greece, because that's where I live my whole life, basically, apart from the United Kingdom, um, Summer nights are a huge thing, like are, are, are a thing that if you take away from Greece, it misses something, like it's, it's a great deal, summer, summer nights in Greece are a great uh, deal about Greece itself, it forms Greece itself. So it's like when people socialize and come outside and yeah, it's like, like part of the culture or... It's, it's part of, of, of a modern Greece, I believe, like... Uh, the way people go outside, they may lay on a be beach and have a beach party and like with a fire and all, or even go like up to a hill and watch over Athens, or having a cocktail by the sea. Like it's a whole, um, it it's another side of the life in in Athens. Like it's a different thing. So I feel like it forms the, the, not only Athens, not only Athens, like generally Greece. I feel like summer nights are great, are a big deal. So um, once you take that out and you may, may never take it back, I was like, I couldn't, I couldn't even myself be, um, imagine myself in a world where I wouldn't be able to go out by night at all, like at all, not, not being able yeah. to witness the sun coming down by the sea like that's a thing that I've done like many times in my life being at the beach when the sun comes down which is magical so I was like what what if what if any person that is born today would not ever be able to see that like of course in an exaggeration like I was like what if that becomes a thing what if we cannot go outside for uh, never again at night it wasn't it, it mm -hmm. didn't happen in greece it was in cyprus but i'm just saying like i was i asked myself how how would that be what possible if? yeah what if that was possible so with that in mind i was like i imagine two uh lovers uh in a situation like that where they could never have that 
time together and imagine also be like you work all day and you come home and by nine o'clock you need to be inside and locked inside your house not specifically because of coronavirus so for 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 a threat like this but even because of a dictatorship or whatever imagine like wake up in the morning you have to go to your job you come back at six seven o'clock and then you only have two hours where you you wouldn't possibly do that because you come back from work you need some time to rest to go back again in the morning because you need to close everything and be closed in your house by nine o'clock so I was thinking about two lovers living in that situation where they wouldn't be able possibly to see each other all week and of course like uh, let's be fair like dusk is one of the most magical moments romantic moments of the day once the sun comes down it's 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 a really nice moment for a couple to be in so I was thinking like how would they react to it like two lovers being stolen from the most romantic moments of the day so Mm -hmm. my question is from from that from that film if everything was during the day how would a life be as magical how 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 would a life be as intriguing uh, if everything was in the light of the day so yeah the question i'm posing Mm -hmm. basically is uh can you imagine a world where you can never see the sun come down again you can never see the sun uh come up again uh and you can never leave in the night because for me it was frightening to think about uh because again as a greek person i feel like it's one of the most magical moments of the day so it would be a great part of our culture and what we know of summer nights because it happened to be in summer, close to summer, so that's why I'm saying mm-hmm. summer night. Yeah, but like, it would get rid. Uh, it would. Uh, it would get um, stolen of a great deal of what it is to live in modern Greece nowadays, being in the night. A part. A part of of the modern culture will be lost then. Yeah. If that would happen. Okay. Interesting. So. Um... When are you expecting to be able to show it? Uh, uh, <laughs> we're in post-production. <laughs> uh, uh, we are in post-production right now. Um, it's my first project again in filming. So um, it is a little bit difficult to get through it. Okay. So it will be finished at some uh, point. Hopefully this year. Um, yeah, yeah. So. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, I think we're coming to an end now of today's episode Malina is there something else you want to say that we I don't know uh, thank you for having me and um, quoting myself there uh, it's a great question nowadays to pose uh, how art can impact society and why artists should uh, put point the finger at things that are wrong and how they want to change things that are wrong so I feel like what you're doing now there it's a great question to pose thank you quoting myself (laughs) there you go (laughs) yeah all right awesome well thank you so much for 
talking to me and being here from Greece, live from Greece. This was Melina. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> the nice home country <laughs> while my hair in. Um, anyway, yeah, so thank you, and um, that's the end. listening to the second episode of Art for Thought. The podcast is produced by Lobster Productions and I would like to give a big thank you to Marit Bijkerk for helping with the editing and to Roma from JSZ Music for the awesome theme tune. If you enjoyed listening, it would be great if you follow, like or comment on wherever you're listening from. Until next time.